0: quality corporate training meets powerful AI. Docebo is the world's first generative AI learning platform. You can customize the learning experience and create content in seconds. Learn more at docebo.com. September 25th, 1983, Moscow, Soviet Union. It's Sunday and Lieutenant Colonel Stanislav Petrov is relaxing with his family. The phone rings, he answers. His face goes sullen. He just says, very well, I'm on my way. Then he looks towards his wife. A colleague is sick. I'll need to take on his night shift. He puts on his uniform. He kisses his two children. He has no idea that that very same night, he'll make a choice that will save their lives and perhaps the lives of everyone else on earth. Petrov works in a bunker a hundred kilometers from the city. He has a very delicate task, to never take his eyes off the screens connected to OKO, a system of satellites with the function of detecting the launch of atomic warheads from the USA. We're at the start of the 80s. The facade of the Soviet Union has already started to crack. The new American president, Ronald Reagan, is well aware of this, and he started to double down on the pressure. The Cold War is at the serious risk of heating up. From a certain point of view, Petrov's job and that of his colleagues in the bunker is quite boring. Fortunately, nothing ever happens. Until that day in September. At 14 minutes past midnight, terror appears on the screen. The satellite system has just detected a missile launched from an American base and directed to Soviet territory. The protocols are clear. The Kremlin needs to be contacted immediately. However, Petrov keeps his head on. Why would the United States attack with just one nuclear warhead? The lieutenant colonel knows the unwritten rule of the Cold War. As soon as one of the superpowers crosses the red line and launches a nuclear attack, the response of the other must be immediate. It's the strategy of mutually assured destruction. A game that can only bring about the destruction of the attacker and the attacked, and ultimately the entire world. If these are the stakes, it's not rational to attack with just one rocket. Stanislav Petrov keeps his eyes on the screen, and he decides that it's just a monitoring error. He takes on the responsibility of not doing anything, A few minutes later, inside the bunker, the screens signal another alarm. This time, there are four dots. That makes a potential number of five nuclear missiles on their way from the USA to the Soviet Union. Still, Petrov decides that they're too few, and instead he communicates a system error to the higher-ups. All he can do now is wait for several long, never-ending minutes. Nothing happens. The machines were wrong. They confused weather conditions for an attack. The decision of one man has saved all of humanity. I am Guido Brera, and you're listening to Black Box The Hidden Side of Finance, a podcast by Cora Media, sponsored by Bank. MAD. Mutual Assured Destruction is the strategy that upheld the balance of the world for four decades, from the end of the Second World War to the fall of the Berlin Wall. We could even say that, in a way, it still holds true today in a world with a stock of 13,000 nuclear warheads. The mind behind this doctrine appears to be John von Neumann, the father of game theory, and the same mind that designed the first modern computer one of the scientists who helped develop the atomic bomb. According to many, he was the most intelligent human being of the 20th century. Still others have called him an evil genius. He had a dream to create a machine capable of imitating life itself, an intelligence that could push beyond human limits. John von Neumann is born Janusz Neumann in 1903 in Budapest from a rich family of bankers He's immediately seen as a boy genius. By the age of 10, he can already speak six languages, but the language that attracts him the most is mathematics, the language behind the Book of Life. Young Janos wants to reveal its secrets, unveil its deepest essence. The strength of great narratives from myth to the classics of literature always lies in their universality. In other words, these stories always talk about our world today von Neumann's life will only last 53 years, yet it has that same strength. Von Neumann is the Prometheus stealing the fire from the gods. He's Dantes, Ulysses, crossing the pillars of Hercules. He's Dr. Faust, overcome by his thirst for knowledge. He's Victor Frankenstein, creating a monster that he can no longer keep under control. In his story, we can even see the shadow of our modern debate between techno enthusiasts and technocritics. The former, convinced that technological innovation should never be halted. The latter worried about the existential threat of unchecked artificial intelligence. At the age of 22, Norman graduates in chemical engineering. But he also studies mathematics at the same time. And at the age of 25, he receives his doctorate in Germany where he's moved. He's changed his name to Johann, and he studies abstract problems, such as quantum mechanics, and he formulates his game theory, which he'll publish in 1928. In the meantime, Adolf Hitler is plotting to come to power. Neumann is Jewish, and he knows that danger is brewing. So in 1933, he moves to the United States and starts teaching at Princeton. He changes his name again and becomes John, his interests widen even more, and he starts to focus on applied physics, meteorology, and economic theory. About 10 years later, John von Neumann is brought to New Mexico, in a place that doesn't appear on any map. It looks just like a little town. In reality, it's the home of the Manhattan Project. Here, the greatest minds of the United States have been collected in secret, and not only, giants of science such as Oppenheimer, Fermi, Feynman. They have one precise goal, to build an atomic bomb before Nazi Germany does, which apparently already has advanced plans in that regard. In those labs, John becomes famous for his astounding calculating skills as well as for his cutting wit. He spends a lot of time in front of a few giant machines, as if hypnotized. These are calculators, and they're required for the intricate operations necessary for the nuclear reactions. But they also have a limitation. They don't have a modifiable program, what we would call today a software. For every change of the expression that needs to be calculated, the machine itself needs to be modified in all its giant mass of wires, circuits, and gears. And this is a job that can take several people several hours. John has one of his most striking inspirations. He thinks to integrate a programmable memory in those machines, creating in this way a new computerized architecture that from that moment on will take his name. This is, for all intents and purposes, the birth of the modern computer. On the 30th of June, 1945, he shares his idea in a paper. 37 days later, on the 6th of August, Abbey B-29 American plane drops the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. John von Neumann suggests the commanders of the army to have the bomb explode at 580 meters from the ground in order to multiply the effects of the blast. He's done his calculations, and his calculations are correct. In Hiroshima, from 66,000 to 78,000 people die instantly, but many other will perish in the following months and years due to the radiation. These are the tremendously concrete results of a series of abstract calculations. After the end of the conflict, von Neumann continues to focus on war. His new challenges are creating a thermonuclear bomb and an intercontinental ballistic missile. The new enemy is the Soviet Union. John becomes a member of the Commission for Atomic Energy and counselor to the CIA, but he also has a new obsession the concept of an auto-replicating automaton, a machine capable of creating a perfect copy of itself with just a handful of instructions and using the prime materials in its environment. In short, that which every living being already does. Von Neumann's research starts off from what he calls cellular automatons, an elementary system with simple rules that, combined on a large scale, can lead to incredibly complex structures And here comes the leap. Every human action, from the most simple to the most complex, can be abstractly reduced to a series of simple instructions, each of which is combined on a vast scale for a certain period of time. So every human action can be reproduced by a properly trained machine with the necessary power. This is the seed of artificial intelligence, which John von Neumann plans just before dying of cancer, perhaps caused by the radiation of the nuclear tests. Theory and practice, games and wars, calculations and lies, instructions and responsibility. Let's play an abstract game ourselves. Let's go back to 1983 in that bunker near Moscow. Let's imagine that Stanislav Petrov isn't in front of those satellite screens, but there's his colleague instead. He's taken his medicine and gone to work. Let's imagine that his colleague is a stickler to protocol, instructions, and procedures. What would have happened? Let's go even further. Let's imagine that there's no human at all in front of those screens let's just imagine that all the signals are elaborated and broadcast by machines. Machines that talk to other machines, and that take decisions on the base of predefined instructions of decisional algorithms. Choices such as that of a nuclear counter-strike. What would happen? The answer to these questions is essential to our present and our immediate future. And it's far from an abstract game. Black Box is a Cora News podcast, produced by Cora Media and sponsored by Docebo. Written by Guido Brera with I Diaboli. Editorial supervision by Francesca Milano. Intro and sound design by Luca Micheli. Editing and post-production by Luca Micheli and Mattia Liccioffi. Sound editing by Emanuele Muscapelli. Production organization by Alex Peverenio.